2: Good morning! Good morning, good morning, good morning! I know, I sound incrementally better today, and so thank you for all of your prayers and God's faithfulness. Um, I have said to Paul Perot, who used to get up in the morning early and milk cows... Now we you know, just get up early in the morning to do a radio show, but... <laughs> exactly right. Um, so thank you to all of you who get up and go and do all the things that you get up and go and do, even when you don't feel great. Um, I understand that, I get that, and... Um, I love being together with you, so thank you so much for the privilege of this time together. Today is Thursday, the 21st of December, which technically means we're going to have the least amount of light today, which means there's more light tomorrow. So let's just look forward to tomorrow when we have incrementally more light than we have today. Uh, our Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Nearby what? Nearby Bethlehem, where Mary just just delivered um, baby Jesus into the world. So that's the, that's the context here. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, Bethlehem, by the way. And by the way, the sheep raised in Bethlehem are the sheep raised for sacrifice in the temple. So these are the finest sheep and therefore the finest shepherds. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, as you would be. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This text goes on to talk about the fact that after, um, after this, the entire heavenly host can resist no longer and appears and breaks out into song, um, which must have been a wild experience. The entire sky filled um, in all of its expanse, as deep as you could imagine, with the angelic host singing um, glory, I just It just, it's really, well, it's beyond our ability to even imagine. And so the experience of these shepherds is, I mean, just crazy to even imagine. And so they drop everything and they go with haste um, to search out and find this baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger in Bethlehem. And they get there. Now, let me just walk into that particular scene. Let me walk with the shepherds into the scene where Mary has just delivered. Um maybe hours earlier now. We don't we don't really know. We don't really have a timeline. Um so maybe hours pass. But in the West, let's just think about how we imagine babies must be born. In the most sanitary, even sterile of places, in the most Medically and even drug-assisted ways. Like, right? We certainly don't allow people fresh from the sheep fields to come into the delivery room. We just don't. So if you're a woman listening right now and you've ever had a baby, just think for a moment about Mary in the midst of all this. Everyone, and I mean everyone, who is listed as present is a man. There was no doula. There was no OBGYN. There was no labor and delivery nurse. There was no epidural. There was no older woman holding her hand to coach her along. Joseph, of necessity, would have been in what we call the catch position. And since these two very faithful people were not yet married, and this baby was conceived in the, not in the conventional way, but conceived by the Holy Spirit, Joseph was now looking at a part of Mary's body he had never seen before, doing something he had never done before in a place he had never been before, surrounded by people they had never met before. That's a lot for a first-time dad, and that's a lot for a first-time mom. And while I'm sure Joseph was thrilled to receive the shepherds uh, who came rushing in from the fields after the birth of Jesus— I do wonder a bit about how Mary was feeling, like literally feeling, physically feeling. This was a real birth, with real birth pains. Now, one thing is almost certain. The shepherds, who fully understand the situation, I feel very confident they would have leapt into action. These are guys who had experience with first-time mothers in difficult situations. They had assisted in the delivery of untold numbers of lambs who were literally bred and raised for sacrifice. They would have almost certainly cleaned in all the ways they knew were important. They would have offered counsel to the first-time parents. They would have exalted in Jesus, but they would have also appreciated the instinct of a first-time mom to not want others touching him. They would have known to draw near, but not too near. I love the shepherds. I love that they were the ones that God chose to send. These were the guys who were raising the lambs that were used in temple sacrifice. They knew the power and the meaning of the phrase spoken later by John the Baptist, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They would have understood Jesus in ways that so many people Never would. I made a list of my um, 23 favorite books of 2023. And, and then since I made the list, I've come up with others. But, you know, 2023 is 23, so I'm not adding to my 23. Um, but I posted them at my website, CarmenLeBurge.com. And very near the top of my list, I mean very, very near the top of my list, is Christopher Watkins' book, Biblical Critical Theory. How the Bible's unfolding story makes sense of modern life and culture. Now, Christianity Today named his book number one. So I thought it would be worthwhile to listen again to our conversation with Christopher um, from earlier in the year. And just again, remind you, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Excited,
0: really excited to be welcoming today, Christopher Watkin. He is a professor, associate professor of French studies at Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. But today he's joining us to talk about, I really think it's the book we've all been waiting for, but maybe didn't know we really needed, biblical critical theory, how the Bible's unfolding story makes sense of modern life and culture. Christopher, welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
1: Thank you, Carmen. It's lovely to be here.
0: So I love the way that you talk about the 20-year itch. I delight in, in the book that you have written, and I confess I didn't even know that I was waiting for it and looking for it until you put it in my hands. So can you talk about the 20-year itch you're scratching with this
1: book? I certainly can, yes. It's, it's an itch that started for me when I was an undergraduate at university, And I found myself living in sort of two separate worlds, really. There was the world of my studies, where it was all Marx and Freud and Nietzsche, and we were churning out these essays week after week about these these critical theorists. And then there was the world of my church and my Christian union at university, where we were taking the Bible seriously, trying to read it slowly, trying to apply it to, to all of our life. And it struck me that there was no conversation, no place in my life where these two different ways of looking at the world could, could interact with each other, um, sort of decided that I wanted to try and find a way to bridge that gap, N- not to sort of pretend that they were saying the same thing, but to, to say, look, if the Bible had a place at this table of all these different social theories that are flying around in society, what distinct, unique contribution would it make? How would it change that conversation?
0: which takes us to this language of social theory. Lots of people have maybe heard of critical theory, critical race theory, not everybody went to, you know, a smarty pants fancy institution of higher learning where they even heard this language. When you talk about social theory or social theories,
1: what are what are we talking about? Can you frame that for us? Absolutely. Look, I, I think it's a big word for a really ordinary everyday thing. And the everyday thing is that there's too much going on in the world for us to pay attention to all of it. And so we've each got to make choices. You know, what what do we think is important out there in the world um, and what are we going to pay attention to? And a social theory helps you to make those choices. It makes some things in the world visible. Like a lot of contemporary social theories will say focus on You know, power relations, that's what's really important in society. Or uh, perhaps focus on the oppression of women in society. That's what you should pay attention to. And these social theories make things valuable as well. Um, You know, you you need to uh, really look out for the weak and vulnerable in society. That's what you should value. And the the Bible, among all the other things that that the Bible does, also does the same thing. You know, of course, the, the Bible is primarily making us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And also, it's making certain things out there in the world visible to us. Uh, Like, for example, the glory of God in creation. If you hadn't read the Bible, you might never have thought, looking up at a beautiful sunset, wow, that speaks to me of the glory of God. Mm. And the Bible says, look, pay attention to that. Notice that in the world. And so that's all that a, a social theory really is. It's making certain things in the world visible and certain things in the world valuable to us.
0: I liked the way that you talk about in introducing us to this idea of figures, because this is a part of this. Some things are brought into the foreground, and we pay attention to them. We focus on them, and everything else recedes into the background. As I was reading this portion, I thought to myself— I wonder if that's what um the gospel writer John meant when he said, "Look, if we had actually written down all the things that Jesus ever said and did, uh said and did, the you know, the world wouldn't be large enough to contain all the books that would have to be written." There are things that are brought forward that we focus on and other things that are allowed to recede into the background, and the Bible consistently brings forward certain things. And what I hear you saying is we actually need to understand that and we need to understand the the biblical social theory because there are lots of theories that put themselves forward as competitors
1: to that. Absolutely. And isn't it just brilliant the way the Bible does that? So if you look at ancient histories, they're all about Caesars, aren't they? They're all about the big important people in society, you know, pay attention to the, and it's always the man, isn't it? Pay attention to the man at the top. And then the Bible comes along and you sort of get probably one or two mentions of kings but it's it's all about a bunch of fishermen and a carpenter um and it's just it just overturns all our expectations about what we should pay attention to in society
0: again we are talking with Christopher Watkin we're talking about um his new book biblical critical theory, how the Bible's unfolding story makes sense of modern life and culture. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, and I'm Carmen LeBurge. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. I mean, seriously, if all we had was nothing more than feelings, we would just be lost in a sea of mush. Hello, friend. Uh, I'm sure you have noticed by now that feelings are a terrible barometer of the truth. Our feelings are affected by the weather, world events, what we ate last night, whether or not someone we like or love texted or tagged us in a social post, how badly someone else sings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling lonely right now, I want you to ask yourself, am I really ever truly alone? Of course not. As a follower of Christ, Jesus promises to be with you Always. He's literally with you right now in the thick of it, in the midst of whatever circumstances you're dealing with in your life. So I want to be a source of hope and encouragement to you today. If you are struggling to make it, even just to the next moment, if you're feeling lonely, text the word hope to 877 933 2484. Continuing our conversation now with Christopher Watkin, the book is Biblical Critical Theory, How the Bible's Unfolding Story Makes Sense of Modern Life and Culture. Um, Christopher, maybe you can explain to us what figures are. I was intrigued by this. This is um, a new way of thinking about things for me, and I'm guessing that it might be new for others as well. We need to understand the figures and the relationships between them so that we can move forward uh, into the conversation about this framework of understanding culture. So tell us about the figures.
1: Yeah, thank you, Carmen. It's just a word that helps us to get a handle on the idea that the Bible has certain signature moves that it makes time and time again. Uh, For example, there's the idea that God overturns our expectations of who should go first in life. And it's something that theologians have often called the great reversal. You know, so it's the octogenarian Abraham and his wife, Sarah, who become the, you know, the parents of many nations. It's Jacob, the younger son, that's chosen. It's David, the shepherd boy, who's chosen. You know, Jesus, again, is a a carpenter. He's not a king. And this idea that, that God always systematically seems to choose the, the, the weak and the overlooked becomes then a distinctively biblical figure of the way that God deals with reality. And what I try to do in the book is I identify these repeated patterns of the way that, that God acts and the way that the Bible sees the world. And then I try to use those as ways to, to read and interact With modern society. So if if we come at our modern world through a biblical lens using these figures, what does it look like? And how can we critique and how can we serve modern society using these biblical figures?
0: And culture has its own set of figures as well, and they are all influencing me all the time. It's not as if I can I, I could imagine engaging with the Bible. As if I'm not a person that is a part of immersed in um, a particular point in time in a particular cultural reality. Can you talk about that? I think it's, I think it's the portion where you talk about how we, uh, how we, as the reader, approach the text and how the text. Did you, do you know what I'm trying to point to there when I talk about me reading the text and how I approach it, how I arrive at it?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think you, you put your finger on an incredibly important point there, that the society around us and, and our culture is really expertly catechizing us every mm. day. Um, not just in the the overt messages, you know, there's the the adverts that you see, you know, like this sort of perfume, buy these sort of clothes, all of that, sure. But also in lots of subtler ways as well. You know, the very fact that I own a smartphone and I can call Any piece of information that I can think of in the world, it puts me in the place of, you know, puts me right in the center of that world as almost a a king who can call anyone into his presence. And all these tiny little ways of interacting with things in the world shape a particular sense in me of who I am and how I should expect the world to behave around me. You know, there's been this controversy, hasn't there, about how the voice assistants on these mobile phones always are, are female voices. Yeah. Little little aspects like that of, of my world are all telling me what I should expect and what I should value. And if Christians, I guess, aren't aware of all these many, many ways in which we've been catechized every day, then we become unable to, to think about it and to, to evaluate that because it just goes under our radar.
0: And it's that person that arrives at the text. And so I come to the text um, catechized in whatever cultural moment I happen to live in. And, you know, and this is mine, 21st century uh, America. And I can't say that I then arrive at the text, and whatever the text has to say to me, I'm going to be able to apprehend and appreciate because i'm reading it through a lens. Can you talk about that um process how i arrive, how i'm changed and then, you know, how i go forward from encountering the text hopefully as a different person?
1: Absolutely. It it's i guess it's fundamental to to the christian life that that the bible <laughs> rubs us up the wrong way, isn't mm-hmm. it? You know, if a christian comes to the bible, and reads it through and puts it down and says, "Well, that was what I was thinking all along." <laughs> then something's gone wrong. Um, that we, we should all be rubbed up the wrong way, made a bit angry once in a while, uh, flummoxed once in a while by the Bible. And and if we are, then we know we're not just polishing a mirror and looking at our, our own image in it, but we're actually looking through a window into a world that's that's different to our own. And I I guess one thing I'm encouraging. All Christians to do in the book is to to embrace those moments in the Bible where you read it and say, "Oh, I, I I really don't like the way that that's put, or that makes me uncomfortable, or I'm I'm not sure that that can be true." Because those, I guess, are the moments that allow us to to grow and change. The moments when the Bible is does have sharp corners for us, where where we don't quite like the way that it puts something. That's a moment where my catechized world can be challenged. When I tell you that,
0: um, that this book is long and hefty, um, you might be put off, but let me tell you, this is a book that is written for you. One of the things that Christopher says about this book is I want to explore how the world of the Bible refigures our contemporary world with all its priorities, values, assumptions, and desires. What I am presenting in this book is Christianity at its best, the Christianity of Christ, which is all too often not the Christianity of Christians. You talk in here about the fact that we do live at this peculiar moment in history where there are all these assumptions and values in the culture that I would describe as like the shadow of the shadow of the shadow of faith. Like there's some residue in our culture that is Christian. There's a Christian imprint there. But the Bible is largely unknown, misunderstood, and condemned. Can you talk about the why or maybe the so what of this book right now?
1: Yeah, I think you are absolutely right. It's a strange historical moment that we live in. Um, Christians are very often today getting beaten with the stick in public. Um, Mm. But the weirdness of the situation is that the stick has been stolen from Christians. Like the... the, (laughs) Values that are being used to, to say that, that Christians are sort of the, the bad guys today are actually Christian values originally. And so Christians find themselves in this strange situation where people are saying, you know, you're against freedom, you're against equality and so forth. And, and these are ideas largely that, that Christians have introduced into the tradition over the years.
0: All right my um, my favorite um, part of this is your discussion of the Bible out narrating its cultural rivals. So help us understand how, um, if rightly understood, all other stories find their place within this story. This was a real
1: penny drop moment for me, Carmen, I think, in the the road to writing this book where when i I stopped seeing the Bible as a, a series of really important stories with a meaning. And and I started seeing it as as one story. From the first page to the last, it's unfolding a view of reality, a complex view of reality, in which we can live. It's not just one story within the world, but it's actually the story of the world. And more than that, it's the story that makes sense of everything in the world. Uh, it's the story that makes sense of us as human beings with all our complexities and all our wonderful qualities, but also all our, our depths of depravity it's it's a story that makes sense of the the natural world and its its beauty and its its terror It's a story that makes sense of politics and everything like that and I think it's it's that sense of without this story, Christians are always responding to the terms of debate set by other people and trying to fit the bible and christianity into categories m- made by by others but if if we embrace this story and live within it we begin to see that the bible actually reorders all the categories that are out there you know the categories above both the left and the right politically um the categories of all these different cultural and social theories the bible says well you're sort of as as you so beautifully put it a moment ago, you've got a shadow of a shadow of a shadow there, but let me let me introduce you to the reality, the thing that you're grasping for, uh, but don't manage to uh, to fully embrace
0: i um I love this work, I love what you've written. I hope we can talk more about it. Christopher Watkin brings to us biblical critical theory, how the bible's unfolding story makes sense of modern life and culture. One of my favorite parts of this is the spirit in which it sends us forth into the world that God so loves, um, not only with the truth, but to really present the truth in ways that genuinely honor Jesus. So, um, you know, I this is right in line with what we talk about every day here on Mornings with Carmen, and I just feel like Christopher, you have equipped us with such fresh insight, and you've done it in a way. Um, that is so God-honoring and will be so uplifting to the conversations of the day. So thank you so much.
1: Well, look, if by God's grace I've done that, then then praise Him. That's a wonderful thing for Him to have achieved.
2: So back in July, <clears throat> we talked for the first time with Joel Penton um, from LifeWise Academy. And on the 12th of December, I got a text from a listener. Her name is Sarah Buzinski, She's in Iowa, and she texted me that they were having a community meeting um, to launch LifeWise Academy in their community, and she asked me to be a part of those who would be praying. And of course, I said yes, and I subsequently asked Sarah to send us the story of how this all came to be. So I want to read Sarah's email um, to you this morning. Sarah says, I heard about LifeWise Academy on Mornings with Carmen when Joel Penton was on the show in the summer of 23. I was moved to sign a community interest list. I was a bit surprised that I was the first to sign up for my daughter's school district. God had been stirring me to work with kids for a while, and I perceived that he had prepared some level of work for me um, through LifeWise. My first inclination was to collect signatures of community support for my daughter's school district. Um, So we open enroll her. I don't have a network established in that town, uh, and so I was not gaining traction. And then I heard a whisper. There were lots of kids in Waterloo and Cedar Falls who need to know Jesus. So I started lists for Waterloo and Cedar Falls, and God moved. Collecting signatures for these school districts was slow going at first, but then God moved, and we went from just over 20 signatures for Cedar Falls to over 50 in one day. As I networked, two separate people suggested that I contact Inspired Life, a local ministry with a mission that aligns with LifeWise. So I reached out and they invited me to come and share about LifeWise at their team meeting. There was obvious overlap in mission, and they graciously offered a location to hold our community kickoff meeting, and they helped promote it in their newsletter and on social media. Many people, those who celebrate Inspired Life's efforts and those who do not, follow their ministry because they do a lot of public-facing work to enable Christian education options for surrounding communities. So I'm not on social media, so I was a little surprised to get a call the night before our community kickoff meeting saying there was an effort underway to coordinate a protest outside our event. So I enlisted multiple groups in my circle of prayer, including Faith Radio, and my prayer was that God would lead us clearly, stir hearts, and maintain peace, that he would assert his authority over the property and the meeting, and he was faithful. We had 11 people there. Two were clearly there to somewhat sternly investigate. Two others were clearly there to just take notes and video, working to report back to something called the Bad Mom Society. <laughs> but God allowed the meaning to flow without disruption. There are countermeasures being taken. There's apparently a Say No to LifeWise Academy petition going around, uh, and they've already got 100 signatures. We only have 71 on our community support list. So I pray um, that people will be led to sign in response to the anti-petition. So this, oh, by the way, this is Carmen speaking. <clears throat> if you're listening right now and you're in Waterloo or you're in Cedar Falls, um, your help and support in this effort is really needed. If you'll text me, then I'm going to um, direct you to the community support list um, where, you can, where you can add your name to the community support for LifeWise Academy to be in Waterloo and Cedar Falls. Um and um would just love for you to engage in that way. Um your heart is aligned with this. You want kids to know the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Uh and the, this is a way for you to get on board and support that in your own community. So if you could text me at 877-933-2484, I'll send you the direct link um to the community support list that Sarah started after hearing um hearing about this ministry on Mornings with Carmen. You can become a part of this exciting work of God in, uh, in the Cedar Valley. Okay, now back to Sarah's email. She says, There are 10 steps to get LifeWise Academy going in a school district. We are at step four, forming a steering committee. We've already collected 50 signatures. We've held a kickoff meeting. We've raised $500. Um, and now we're forming a steering committee. We've got two people on it, but we need at least one more. Then we'll draft a plan obtain school approval, recruit a team, train a team, execute the plan, and launch. It's all in God's timing, and we're praying um, that we are faithful to let Him lead and not try to rush out ahead of Him. Sarah then asks all of us to pray with her. She says, fully acknowledging this is a battle. I'm praying for this not to be a divisive program in our community, but one that is fruitful and blesses students and schools. We have to be aware of the enemy and his ways, but God will disarm and I'm going to let him be the one to fight. I'm praying that we can win people over through prayer and that the chains of bondage would be broken, that we would be like Stephen and have faces like angels so that no one can have anything to say against us and that God permits only his words and his intentions to flow from anyone associated with LifeWise in our community, and that ultimately more kids would grow to know the saving power and love of Jesus. So Sarah, I know you're listening right now. You have our full support, and we're so thankful for the way God used Faith Radio to bring LifeWise Academy um, to your attention, and for the children and the generations to come who are going to be blessed as kids are exposed to the Bible during school hours. Uh, Again, if you're anywhere in the Cedar Valley and you want to join in this effort to bring LifeWise Academy um, to Waterloo and Cedar Falls, send me a text, 877-933-2484. I would love to get you connected with Sarah Buzinski. So fittingly, next up, we have Joel Penton from LifeWise Academy joining us with stories of transformation and hope as kids across America are being exposed to the Bible during school hours I'm so excited um, to have this conversation. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Joel Penton is back from LifeWise Academy. You can check it all out at lifewise.org. And again, if you live um, anywhere near Waterloo or Cedar Falls, anywhere in the Cedar River Valley, and you want to connect with the group there that is seeking to bring LifeWise Academy to your local schools, text me at 877-933-2484. I will send you the direct link to that. Sign up at lifewise.org, and I'll connect you with Sarah Buzinski, who is um, listening right now and, uh, and, and heading up that effort there. Joel, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen.
3: Thank you, Carmen. It's so great to talk, to talk with you again.
2: It's so fun um, to have you. Maybe uh, maybe at this time of year, you've got some, I don't know, you've got some good news stories to share with us from 2023.
3: Yeah, I think I do. Although I have to say this story that's unfolding right there in uh, Iowa is, uh, is about as good as it gets. I mean, this is exactly the vision that is becoming a reality thanks to uh, people like Sarah who are being raised up Um you know, how beautiful that you and I, I know, had a chance to talk it? over the summer. Oh, it's amazing that, you know, you and I chatted uh, and uh, Sarah heard it and she got to work. She said, hey, if not uh, now, then when, if not who, if not me, then who's going to do it? And uh, she got to work and God's people responded. They started sending their names, going through the process and also to a degree by design, Um there was, there's was, there been a little bit of opposition, not a lot. This is actually pretty typical that there'll be, I don't know, just a few voices in the community that would say, hey, I'm not sure we should do this. But it tends to be a very, very, uh, you know, small number. And, and if we don't get some resistance, then, you know, we have to start to question whether what we're doing is really make, making an impact. Um, and so, man, I'm just so excited about Sarah and about the work there. And I'm so encouraged. And um, yeah, so I mean, but other stories, I mean, I I could tell you stories all day. We just got um, reports in over the weekend about uh, one class that the kids started asking about baptism, and now seven of them have been baptized recently. Um, Kids from a LifeWise class, a a boy was handed a Bible this past week, and he said he had never held a Bible in his hands before. And Mm -hmm. so he was so excited to be handed that. And so uh, it's just amazing what the Lord's doing.
2: Now, Joel, for anyone who might have missed our prior conversations, they're now wondering, what is LifeWise Academy and how does it
3: work? Oh, sure, sure. Well, LifeWise Academy provides Bible education for public school students during school hours. And oftentimes when I say that, people... They don't understand it because it almost bounces off them. They they don't have a category for it. They think, oh boy, uh, you know, I thought of the separation of church and state. How could you possibly provide Bible education during school hours? Well, what few people realize, I didn't until a few years ago, I didn't realize this, is that in 1952, the Supreme Court ruled that public school students can be released from public school during school hours to receive religious instruction if the program is off school property privately funded, and students have parental permission. So the Supreme Court has ruled on this. It's legal in all 50 states. However, uh, most people just don't don't know about it. Um, we all know that the Bible was removed from public schools systematically decades ago, but very few realize that we have this illegal opportunity outlined by the Supreme Court. And what LifeWise does is provides a, a plug-and-play program a model and a whole process that any community across the country can implement to begin teaching the bible to their local public school students during school hours. So,
2: um Joel, how many how many states? Um how many schools and sort of what's in the pipeline?
3: Yeah, so uh we just started this effort in 20 20- 19 is when we launched our first two schools, not really knowing whether it would work, not knowing whether it would be well received, not knowing if there'd be too much resistance. Uh, and we launched two schools in 2019, went really well. We set a goal let's try to serve 25 schools by 2025. That seemed like a reasonable goal to us 25 by 25. And by twenty twenty one we were serving thirty six schools, and we said, "Whoa, the lord is is moving and doing what we never anticipated." and so uh today this and again this is just we launched in twenty nineteen today, we are confirmed this school year to be serving three hundred and forty six schools across fifteen states. At the moment, we have over twenty-six thousand students enrolled in the in the program, receiving Bible lessons each and every week during their public school day, and uh, we expect that to grow beyond thirty-five thousand by the end of the school year. Um, and and we've now in the in the pipeline, um, actually thousands of school oh. districts. There's there's thirteen thousand school districts in the, in the nation, and we've received at least some form of inquiry. Um, or interest from over 2,000 of them, um, and uh, so and it all starts with somebody like Sarah, who you were just uh, uh, mentioning, jumping on the website, finding their local school district, adding their name to the list, and then just beginning the simple 10-step process.
2: All right, so anybody can log on to Lifewise.org, and you can type in your um, your school district. And you can find out if there's already interest and an effort in underway at other people in your community who are interested in um, launching LifeWise Academy in your community. And if there's not, you can start a list. You could be the first person to um, to initiate this effort in your community. If there's 13,000 school districts across the country and interest has been shown in two thousand. Um, there's a pretty good chance that your school district still needs a LifeWise Academy. So there's an opportunity here for you to to engage. Um, we all know that the Word of God never goes forth, but that it doesn't accomplish that which God sends it, right? God's Word accomplishes sure. its own work. And so this is an effort to expose kids to the truth of what God has said to to the Bible. And so when we come back, we're going to have Joel... Tell us a little bit more about maybe, maybe even bring forward like a, an example lesson. Like what does a kid experience in a particular LifeWise session? Um, how do they get from school to the location where their LifeWise um, class is going to meet? And then when they arrive, what happens? Like we're going to have Joel just walk us through what one day in LifeWise Academy looks like. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. The
0: Bible is valuable. And reading and studying the Bible can transform your life. Hi, I'm Angela Smith, host of Reading the Bible Together podcast. Several times a year, we release a new Reading the Bible Together study. We've studied Luke, Daniel, Advent, Lent, and so many more. You can access all of our studies for free by going to the Reading the Bible Together resource page at myfaithradio.com. In addition to the studies, we also have the accompanying podcast. You can listen wherever you listen to podcasts. You can study on your own, or if your small group or Bible study is looking for what to study next, check out the Reading the Bible Together resource page at myfaithradio.com.
2: We're talking with Joel Penton. From LifeWise Academy, you can find out more at LifeWise.org. The book is during school hours. The effort is to expose public school students to the Bible um, during religious release, which is authorized nationally. um, And in different states, there's different hours um, permitted for religious release. But it has to be permitted everywhere because the Supreme Court so authorized it in 1952. So, um, this is an option. It is a possibility wherever you live across the country. Uh, and it may take you to ignite it, to initiate it. And you can do that at lifewise.org. You can find your school district. You can find out if there's already an effort underway to bring Lifewise Academy to your community. And if not, you can start the list yourself. So, Joel, um, tell us you know like walk us through what happens like how do kids get from school to to their lifewise class what happens when they get there like what what is this experience like
3: yeah w- wonderful question and those uh those kind of nuts and bolts, logistical questions are typical. Like, how could you actually pull all this off? You pretty much have to start a private, start a private school to get this thing done. And uh, that's why LifeWise exists is to provide all those tools and processes and resources and training and all of the uh, steps A to Z. But uh, the logistics um, are fairly straightforward in that uh, kids are released. Typically, well, one time per week each student, and it's usually incorporated into their specials rotation. So, in the you know, kids get art class once a week, music class once a week, gym class here and there. Uh, they'll often then have an opportunity to have a Bible class once a week. And for this Bible class, they're released from the school. So we have volunteers that show up at the school. Um, Maybe they're driving a big red LifeWise bus, or maybe they're just going to help walk the kids to an adjacent property. Uh, But usually a classroom or two at a time are released, and they're taken to the LifeWise facility. We teach them a Bible class. We actually, uh, with our partnership with the Gospel Project, teach students through the entire Bible, Genesis through Revelation, over five years. They'll start in first grade finish up the entire Bible in fifth grade. And every lesson, we uh, have a three-part uh, kind of part, three part focus, head, heart, and hands. Head, we ask, hey, what is the story on the page? What does the Bible say? Then heart, how does it connect to the bigger picture of the gospel message? How does this story, like all stories, point to Jesus? And then hands, if we rightly understand the gospel and we're transformed by it, how does our character change? How's it, how does that change what we do and so kids they get a a bible lesson head heart hands and then they get back on the bus and uh and they head back and so just one example we have a very large program in northwest ohio Uh, there's a thousand students in the elementary school Uh, 900 of them are in lifewise and so five times a day five days a week a big red lifewise bus pulls up and picks up two classrooms of students drives them less than a mile down the road to the ymca they get off the bus, they go into their two classrooms, get their Bible class, get back on the bus, bus brings it back and picks up a whole new batch of students. And it takes an army of volunteers, it takes funding, it takes a bunch. But the community loves it because kids' lives are being changed by the Word of God as part of their uh, daily educational experience.
2: So... That might be a little scary and overwhelming to think that you're going to do this five times a day, five days a week. That's not where it starts, right?
3: That's right. And it should, if someone hears that and they uh, maybe think, well, I I can't pull that off. And we would want to uh, agree with them. No, one person cannot pull (laughs) this off. (laughs) And that is why the very first step in the process is collecting 50 signatures on a community interest list, basically a petition through our website, uh, because God is going to raise up his people in your community. So even if you think to yourself, I can't lead this, I can't teach at this, I can't even drive the bus. That's okay. You can be the per- the first person to sign your name and share it on Facebook or text it to a friend. Everybody can play a role. And so, yeah, you can't do it yourself, uh, you need at least 49 friends, <laughs> and so you go to our website and you, you sign your name and, and share it out with others, just like Sarah has done um in uh in Cedar, the Cedar Falls area.
2: I just love that um how can we how can we encourage you in the new year what are the maybe what are the obstacles you guys are facing um how can we be praying with you um, what are specific um opportunities out there that you know you just appreciate prayers for this time of year?
3: Well, I think we could use some prayers for wisdom. I mean, the snowball is really rolling down the hill and that, and that's exciting and it's fun. Um, But it feels like the decisions and the different things going on are more weighty now as the movement grows. And so we praise God for that. And we also pray for wisdom. Also pray for encouragement for our team um, and for our volunteers and our champions like Sarah, that we would be encouraged. You know, we are starting to get a little bit of pushback. The Freedom From Religion Foundation sent a letter to every superintendent in the entire state of Ohio and encouraging them not to work with LifeWise. And our perspective on that is like, one of excitement. <laughs> in fact, we we publicly thank the Freedom from Religion Foundation for spreading the word about Lifewise, uh, because we are simply not afraid of the resistance. And kind of like I said earlier, we almost expect it, and and um, know that if we don't get some resistance, then we maybe aren't doing everything right. And so, just pray that all of our teammates would have that same encouragement and boldness, knowing that we have confidence in the Word of God and how He's going to use His people.
2: Sometimes, Joel, um, people think that talking about Supreme Court decisions is not relevant to uh, the Christian life. And if we weren't talking about a Supreme Court decision in 1952, no one would be aware um, of the opportunity for religious release during the public school day in every school district across the country. And so um, thank you so much for allowing God to use you in this particular way and for equipping others to do so as well. We genuinely appreciate
3: it. Carmen, I appreciate you. I appreciate you uh giving a platform to this movement and uh excited, so excited for everything you're doing and look forward to our next conversation.
2: Well, and uh just so that you know, Sarah, you're going to hear from um from a number of people who have texted in from um from the Cedar Valley looking forward to connect with you if you are Uh, In Waterloo, you're in Cedar Falls, you're anywhere in the Cedar River Valley, and you want to connect with the group that is seeking to um, establish a LifeWise Academy in your community, um, text me at 877-933-2484, and I will send you that contact information. God is on the move. God is on the move. Imagine the countercultural impact of being exposed to the truth in the middle of the day at public school. Imagine having access to caring Christian adults who will tell you the truth and demonstrate the grace of God to every kid from every walk of life. Would you pray with me for God's favor upon this ministry in the new year? If you want to be, um, if you want to be a part of it, go to lifewise.org. I'm, I'm excited about this. God, God is doing a mighty work here. I love the way he's working to extend the gospel through Faith Radio Um, how we at Faith Radio were able to bring this ministry uh, into, uh, you know, into Sarah's awareness and how then it might be extended uh, in the Cedar River Valley. It's just so fun to be a part of what God is doing in so many places. More good news in the next hour of Mornings with Carmen.